Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power the collaboration needed for teams to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200, or two million, Atlassian software is built to help keep you connected and moving together as one. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome to the Prop G Pod's Office Hours. This is the part of the show where we answer your questions about business, big tech, entrepreneurship, and whatever else is on your mind. If you'd like to submit a question, please email a voice recording to officehours at profgmedia.com. Again, that's officehours at profgmedia.com. First question. Hi, Prof G. This is Matt S. in Taos, New Mexico. Recently on Pivot, you heavily criticized Meta and its overbetting on the Metaverse play. With that being said, do you feel that shorting Meta stock would make sense? On that same theme, with your premise of Twitter stock really being worth $13 but trading around 50 per share, would shorting Twitter also be a good move? Uh, Matt from Taos, New Mexico. Thanks for the question. It's an easy one on Twitter because you're not going to have or be able to short it. Uh, my guess is it's going to close on Friday, the deal, and it'll no longer be a publicly traded stock with options that you can buy or sell. Uh, so let's focus on Meta. Uh, I believe they're estimating they're going to spend somewhere between 60 to $70 billion trying to reinvent the world or a three-dimensional version of the web and the world or across work, entertainment, uh, education. And I just don't think it's going to work. And there's a lot of evidence that it isn't working. Uh, having said that, I would not want to short. In general, I don't like shorting stocks. Occasionally, I write calls, which I guess is the same thing as shorting stock. But I have the financial capacity to absorb a large hit. If you're going to short a stock, I think you want to make sure that you plan for a black swan event and that it wouldn't take too much of your wealth, uh, if you will. So I think it's something that, and I don't mean to infantilize lower middle income households, but it's a very risky strategy. It's kind of low probability, high severity outcome if things go wrong. And generally speaking, I think the right investment strategy is to buy stocks long that you think are good companies, diversify, maybe even buy low-cost ETFs or index funds and just ignore them for a long time. The cohort that's outperformed the S&P is dead people because they weren't trading their stock. So I worry that when I hear a young man talking about shorting a stock, that he's going to be spending too much time investing his human capital staring at a phone. Also, I think Meta is probably, and I hate to say this, I think it's probably a buy right now. I think it trades at a price to earnings multiple of around 11. And the core business is just an exceptional cash you know, spigot. I mean, it's just... Uh, Meta's business or its core business, even though it's no longer growing or growing as fast, is an incredible business. And the kind of fever dreams of Mark Zuckerberg around reinventing the world such that he can become our scientific god and start pelting us with Nissan ads when we roam around some weird version of the earth without legs 
Um, the stock has been taken down, in my view, probably too much. I would argue, and I sold my meta stock about four or five years ago because I realized how hypocritical it was for me to shitpost them every day and still own the stock. But I would not want to short Facebook stock right now or meta stock. I think it's probably, and I hate to say this, I think it's probably a buy. But again, you sound like a young, thoughtful man. And unless you're in this business and hedging a portfolio or have PhDs on staff and supercomputers and 40 accounts of Bloomberg, you know, you're competing, you're on the wrong side of a trade as a retail investor, usually, unless you go long term and invest in good companies uh, and uh, have a long enough time horizon such you can ride out any kind of economic cycles because um, everybody gets it wrong. And I think that playing the options game is, uh, uh, is fun and it feels it's an interesting dopa hit. Uh, but I just, I think it's not a good idea unless you're in that business or you have enough wealth to absorb a shock. You don't want to lose sleep thinking about whether Meta's earnings are going to be good or bad. Anyways, long-winded way of saying, uh, just say no. Uh, Twitter, um, you know, whole different talk show. But again, that thing probably closes in a few days after, or a couple of days after uh, we hear this. So you won't have the opportunity there. Anyways, Matt, thank you very much for the question and congratulations on living in such a beautiful part of the world. Question number two. Good morning, Professor G. My name is Juan from Vancouver, Canada. My question is, I love soccer and I am a huge fan of it, but I do feel that I'm being kind of hypocrite on how the World Cup is going to be held in Qatar and all the issues they've had. And to be honest, I'll be the first one to say that I'm going to watch every game and to a certain extent look the other way. Would you say that we are complicit in allowing this to happen? And also, what do you think about it? Juan from Vancouver, thanks for the thoughtful question. Qatar is notorious for human rights abuses, whether it's violence against women, gay people, minorities, um, restrictions on freedom of expression, not to mention the, you know, what could probably be accurately described as slave labor of migrant workers. The Guardian broke the news that more than 6,500 migrant workers have died in Qatar since it won the rights to uh, the World Cup. Qatar is partaking in sports washing, you could argue, trying to distract from their human rights abuses by bringing attention towards popular sports, that is, the World Cup, which to a certain extent, you could argue, legitimizes a corrupt authoritarian regime similar to what Saudi Arabia has done with the Live Golf Tournament. Uh, Also, I'm going. Uh, I went to the World Cup in Russia. Uh, I think that, so let me be honest, the reason I'm doing it is because my desire to have that type of life experience and engagement with my boys who are 12 and 15 uh, uh, wins for me versus some of my concerns around participating in this wallpapering or this sports washing. Um, So I don't, if you're looking for moral clarity here, I definitely don't have it. You know, but where does it stop, right? I mean, we all have to have our own line. Should we not? The World Cup in 2026, I think, or I forget when it is, is coming to America. Uh, Do we not go to the games in Texas because of their restrictive uh, abortion laws? I mean, where does it where does it stop? And what I think you should do is uh, have your line. But uh, what I don't like is when people try to shame other people. I think people have to make their own decisions around this. Uh, I also think that America can be accused of being somewhat hypocritical when we try and get all righteous. uh, And at the same time, we seem to be normalizing anti-Semitic comments and normalizing misogyny in this nation. So look, here's where I am. I think you have to make your own decision and just say, okay, what are my values here? Am I having a problem? Am I really uncomfortable going? 
uh, then make that decision. But try and ignore, or not ignore, but uh, you know, don't do it because you're worried about getting sanctioned by some orthodoxy. And at the same time, uh, if you don't want to spend that money and you want to spend it somewhere else, uh, good for you. I, I think everyone has to have their own code around this stuff. Um, and just being very blunt, I don't like the way these nations behave. I think it, there's real issues here. And I would like to see America bring pressure on any nation that treats people in vulnerable groups the way that these nations or some of these nations treat those people at the same time. Um, my uh, uh, desire to have kind of once-in-a-lifetime experiences with my boys wins here. Judge me. We have one quick break before our final question. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Question number three. Hi, Scott. My name's Jack, and I'm from Nottingham in England. I enjoyed your books before and post-corona, and I love the podcast. My question is about B2B marketing. I co-founded a company which sells optimization software, and our product is proven to outperform the competition, but we're still looking for our first customer. As we're unestablished, I'm struggling to get prospective customers to give me the time of day. My main strategy so far has been to contact managers on LinkedIn, but my messages usually get ignored. We could spend money on adverts in industry magazines or hire stores at exhibitions, but I feel all I really need is the opportunity to demonstrate our software directly to customers. Can you offer any advice? Thanks for listening. I'm a Chelsea fan like you, so maybe I'll see you at Stamford Bridge one day. Jack from Nottingham, England. Welcome to the world of entrepreneurship, where those first that first couple of clients are just so incredibly difficult. Um, most small businesses take two to three years to turn a profit, software even longer. It can take up to two years before consumers trust your brand. According to Sprout Social, 55% of consumers learn about new brands from social media. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn. LinkedIn is actually an incredibly effective place to market a new product. According to data from LinkedIn, it was rated as the top platform for B2B lead generation. Brands have seen a 33% increase in purchase intent from ad exposure on LinkedIn. And 40% of B2B marketers surveyed indicated LinkedIn as the most effective channel for driving high-quality leads. I, I feel like I need to disclose that LinkedIn sometimes advertises, but this was this was data we put together. And I don't I like to think that I don't there there wasn't any influence uh, from LinkedIn on this. This is not a paid ad, if you will. So at L2, the way we got leads was through content marketing. We'd put out white papers or research or rankings and then uh, only give them a taste of it, and they wanted the full to download the full report, they'd have to give us our, uh, their email. 
Uh, we had biz dev people who would just smile and dial and call people off of LinkedIn. Um, one of my closest friend's sons just literally has done this his entire career for software companies. He pings people on LinkedIn and tries to set up meetings. You should be able to, I would think, uh, given the strain in the growth part of the market, find a biz dev person or just a very hungry young woman or man who is willing to smile and dial, if you will, or ping people on LinkedIn with a little bit of support with some paid ads to get enough meetings where you should get some feedback from the marketplace. Um, so it doesn't make sense to me that you can't find a way or can't find any introductions. I also just leveraged my personal network. Uh, granted, I'm blessed because I went to business school, so there were a lot of alumni so can you tap in any sort of professional networks or uh, pony up and spend the money to go to a conference and see if you uh, can get a speaking slot or maybe buy a booth or what have you? But again, I want to be clear, it's like fucking hand-to-hand -hand combat. It is hard, especially those first half a dozen or dozen clients. So leverage every contact you can, try and get meetings, try and get introductions, go to conferences, a little bit of advertising with very, very granular metrics on social and on Google, Google keywords, some stuff on Meta. I think LinkedIn sounds perfect for this. Uh, and don't spend a lot of money. Don't do advertising. That's just, that makes no sense for a small business. You want to throw around nickels like they're manhole covers. Um, uh, if you're frustrated and depressed and, and questioning every decision you make, uh, there's a word for that, entrepreneurship. Anyways, Jack, uh, keep on keeping on and uh, best of luck to you and your firm. That's all for this episode. Again, if you'd like to submit a question, please email a voice recording to officehours at propgmedia.com. Our producers are Caroline Shagrin, Claire Miller, and Drew Burrows. Sammy Resnick is our associate producer. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to the Prop G Pod from the Vox Media Podcast Network. We will catch you next week.